<laughs> there was a scene on Dragnet. I remember when I was a kid and Nick at Night would come on. Yeah. And oh, they we were like, so much Dragnet. They had arrested this dude who was on LSD and he had his face painted for some reason. <laughs> and he was in the office and he was like, I'm a train, I'm a train, I'm a train, I'm a train. Passing Oakland. <laughs> Oakland. And they're like, what? And then he goes, woo, woo, and like throws all the shit in the air. And then they're like, the old cops are like, and this is what the drugs do. Don't do marijuana, kids. You're listening to Movies for Decades. Welcome to Movies for Decades. This is a podcast in which we explore cinema history by watching one film from every decade starting in 1921. We're up to 1971. Who is we? It's me, Colin Albee, and my cinephile siblings. This is John Albee. And Helen Cottingham. All right, and we got our, our guest today is Chase Tinnan, my friend and frequent par- partner in filmmaking cr- crimes. Chase Tinnan. Hello. Yeah, he's a filmmaker himself, and he, uh, generally how we've done it is we've, we've uh, kind of let the guests sort of get first pick of once they pick their year, and Chase kind of went with Dirty Harry, which is our 1971 film, and so here's how I want to start it. Let's do a quick poll. Uh, I kind of know. Helen, um, do you like this movie? No. Okay, now me, I give this movie a not super enthusiastic, but a definitive thumbs up. John. I didn't like it. Chase. But I liked things about it. I, my take on it's a little bit, a little bit less black and white. So like, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. And I like 70s crime cinema, but there were things, and we'll get into it, about the film that feel really kind of off to me gross gross Gross. evil toxic like when we were watching it like i wasn't like oh my god this is the worst piece of shit i've ever seen Mm -hmm. um hey can i cuss on this podcast yes no okay i'm gonna do a lot of that (laughs) um so yeah like i i enjoyed watching it but it just it wasn't as good as i thought it would be yeah it's a cultural touchstone it's like one of the mm-hmm. most it's listed as one of the most influential films of all time and i'm like really i saw that this? on the wikipedia yeah. page too after i watched it and i was like goodness really that's that's what everybody this is what people cared about in the 70s yeah. is this kind of character it really i mean i guess it explains a lot well i will go ahead and since this is context is part of what we do in this podcast i'll put this movie a little bit in context which is I guess one thought I, I read had a whole book about the context. Well, yeah. I know, but I guess the, maybe specifically even going back to the context of this silly podcast we do. I think one thing I thought was striking about it is, is so one of our one of our recurring themes we've hit on in this podcast is sort of the history of what's allowed to be shown in movies. Mm-hmm. Like that, we did a, some pre-code movies, and then we did like the whole production code, and this is our first movie post-production code. And you can, I feel like watching this movie, one of the things I got out of it is like, yeah, here's a movie that like is really enjoying the fact that it can be rated R. Yeah. Oh, reveling. Is reveling in the fact that it's like, oh, we can put boobs in movies. Let's put some superfluous boobs. (laughs) You know, the the violence is like, I guess, tamed by today's standards. But I think, I think what this movie did and why it was a cultural touchstone, part of why is that it kind of set the standard for your kind of R rated action movie they like it it was because there 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 wasn't a lot of this kind of movie yet that could be that kind of hard-edged and adult um and so that's i think partly why it was a touchstone okay and i think it's also worth noting and i had this conversation um when i watched death wish the uh the charles bronson flick that came a few years after this Mm -hmm. dirty harry was produced in an america that was a much more violent place than any of us have like experienced mm-hmm. i mean we're you know a f- the this was loosely based on the zodiac case um in san francisco at the time and then you had like new york as fear city and all of the the early crime wave sorts of uh, violence going on so you know it's got that kind of rough edge that maybe you don't see quite as much anymore even though you might more you might see more explicit violence in like a John Wick movie. It's not presented quite as real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's worth noting. Yeah, it's just interesting to me that 
what the public consciousness wanted was a character who openly hated people in general. Like there was, and a, yet he was like advocating for the victim. He like, was, I don't care about the victim uh, as he, I stomp on your knee. I, it, it just drives me crazy. There's that one horrifying line of dialogue where I hate everybody, and he like lists a bunch of slurs, all slurs about he... all the people he hates, or that other guy's doing. The other it guy for does him. it for him, and yeah. then uh, and then of course he then just. Does the one for you know Hispanic folks? Yeah. It's like yeah, I mean, it was just well, it was, his, real... it was like it was kind of a, like a definitely like a joke moment that is like woo, but for nowadays, however, they you know you, you remember he gives a little wink at his partner, yeah, and, and it still doesn't that, fix it for me. No, <laughs> that wink is not there. enough. Yeah, that wink does not hold enough power for me. <laughs> but what does hold more power for That's me? It's like I'm not racist, but <laughs> I'm then, super racist, yeah. especially against you. Wink is what yeah. I got from. That. Yeah. But they were pals, that so make me feel better. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it is interesting watching this. Like, you know, I was kind of trying to be conscious of that too, and like, okay. No, he just is a misanthrope. He's not actually racist. He just he, because <laughs> he's he's racist and, and well, it, you know that that falls on his, his maybe the movie is, but like uh, I don't really know if I think. Can you imagine a cop being portrayed as racist in a movie today? Oh my goodness! Yeah, <laughs> like right. They would. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess that kind of still happens today, but not. The cops, not they're, the they're hero. The villain. They're the yeah. villain. Yeah, it's not like the funny hero is also a racist. However, yeah. this is another reason why I think this movie was a touchstone in that it kind of like obviously this is Clint Eastwood's whole vibe. Yeah. But like, uh, and this was his kind of big crossover from westerns to crime mm-hmm. movies. Well, too. it was like, look, he can do a modern film. He's a badass in every era. Well, really, what it is is it's his first real Hollywood movie. Yeah. Because because his career was kind of going nowhere before he goes he goes and bees in these he goes in performs in these weirdo spaghetti western movies yeah. that like were not critically well regarded yeah, he's like time. a tv actor before that yeah and like and the other thing is that he really cultivated his i read a little bit about clint eastwood recently because low-key one of the more interesting careers in hollywood history i mm-hmm. feel like yeah. but anyway he really cultivated that anti-hero thing and i think that anti-hero thing was kind of his personality kind of well it's definitely was his explicit like screen persona because mm-hmm. he was on rawhide where he couldn't do that and he thought that was lame he's like i i would be better as an anti-hero kind of guy and then sergio leone kind of let him do that and then and then he gets back to hollywood and he's like this is what i do this is who clint eastwood the movie star is is yeah. i get to be this guy who's kind of an asshole and you know yeah and but is still kind of the good guy the protagonist mm-hmm. jerk yeah yeah and, and i think that was you know Maybe another reason why this movie, you know, because that's a great character t- trait, you know, the anti-hero who's kind of an asshole. He certainly plays it well, although I still did not like the energy in this movie with him. <laughs> I still disapprove of it on a moral level. But I, Yeah, I struggled uh, to root for him. I know that he was a good performance. I, I don't disrespect uh, Clint Eastwood. It's just um, I was just so grossed out by it. From front uh-huh. to back, really. Um, yeah, Helen, I'd like to yeah, go ask and... you specifically, since you I mean, read, you a, read book, a whole book about this, but which is a but, little extra. But yeah. this, but talk about the portrayal of women it's in this movie. So bad oh, doesn't pass the Bechdel test because <laughs> there's only one female character and she's the wife, and that most of the other women in this movie are naked, are naked yes. or at least or in a victims, bathing suit. or yeah. victims. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're just like objects to be ogled or people protected. to be protected or saved or, dead or bodies. brutalized um mm-hmm. yeah yeah they are kind of the representation of the weak innocent part of society that hard ass is like dirty hairy we need them to protect the little girls of the world um and dirty hairy didn't seem to uh, care too much. I don't know. He had a he had a wife who died, didn't he? Yes, like, his wife was dead. And so was... after he shot her, I guess <laughs> it was a hit and run or something. Yeah, it was I, a drunk I, driver. Like, did they tiny... even say anything? Yeah, it was a drunk driver. Yeah. And... Oh, was it okay? Yeah. So it's like supposed to kind of give him some heart and some personality, and like, oh, that's why he's an asshole. It doesn't give. But it, it doesn't. doesn't. Do no, I don't think that's what the movie is. Trying it wasn't, to do but it was a little it's, bit it's... like that. Was one of the kinder parts of the movie was that conversation going yeah. down the stairs. Where it was kind of like, okay, this is a nice break from the violence. This is a little like retro, like um, introspective moment, but it was 
kind of had nothing to do with anything. Ultimately. It was just kind of some vague thematic, uh, some thematic character development, I guess, yeah. is all it really served. Yeah. I mean, I would say one of my reviews of this movie is, okay, so I, I'm feeling like, I, I actually did like this movie. And this is the second time I've seen it. Um, I saw it in college and I'm like, well, that was cool. And, and, and in some ways, but I, I think what's the thing about this movie is I think the script sucks for the most part. Yeah. I think it's not a very good screenplay. Uh, I do think that it's very well directed, though. That's that's part of my... And I, I think I'd have to agree on the screenplay. That's when I was giving my take on it at the top of the podcast. That was kind of what I was getting at. So if you look at a movie that was in the same era and really kind of covered the same thing, uh, Death Wish. Death Wish is a um, better movie in It's tighter. Way, pretty it's, much. It's more focused. It's more um, nuanced, even uh, like in terms of what. It's, even though it's a blunt movie, it's a blunt movie, but it's more nuanced in terms of like it as a morality story of yeah. like what if a, what leads a guy to go completely off the rails. Well, and then like yeah. Paul Kersey's not an asshole, so mm -hmm. like yeah. even though he kind of does some morally questionable things in how he chooses, he's to... he's easier to root for. Yeah, even though he's like shooting people in the back while they're running away. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like he's also not like shooting them in the back and then yelling racial slurs at them the whole time. <laughs> yeah, slightly yeah. better. Um, so, oh, God. you know, that's better. Which is not something that happens in this movie. But no, no. he would. You know yeah. he would. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, and I think the difference though between Paul Kersey and, and Harry Callahan though is that like Paul Kersey has already crossed a line, a moral line, when he takes the law into his own hands and mm -hmm. is out shooting muggers in New York. Callahan is supposed to be the law. The law. And I mean, I know we, you know, we're in the midst of a conversation about police and police behavior on a national level, but like in that era, it's very simplistic with how it's portrayed. Police are good guys. Police do the right thing. However, and then, like Torturing a suspect that's in custody is not... Even though I know that... I mean, that's kind of how they caught the Night Stalker. I just watched that documentary. But, um... Like, beat up a guy who knew who he was. Good lord. But they portrayed that on film. And is this the first time where that was ever the case? Well, one thing I read is that this is... This movie was, in fact, controversial at the time mm -hmm. it was made for for the exact reason and, and 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 generally people were having a lot of the same conversations about police at the time that then that we're having now oh god that seems like the so. callahan's one like it yeah, seems like kinda. lots of cops that kill innocent people now are like fancying themselves as harry callahan they're like so i knew what so, was right so and go I into this helen flexed and i did the thing and the my boss told me not to but i didn't have a warrant but i knew i was right and i killed this i mean guy. the only difference is that their bosses don't actually tell yeah. them not to yeah so. uh, yeah i want to say real quick before i turn this over to you helen to talk more about this but the whole constitutional scholarship section of the movie I was Bullshit. like, like they wouldn't defend a cop who who tortured somebody in court. That's the like the courtroom yeah. would have sided with Callahan. Was, like okay. we had to do it. You know, that was a specific social commentary on California and San Francisco. Okay. Because okay. this movie, an interesting thing, part of oh. what I read is this is a San Francisco story. That's um, it's kind of used as a metaphor for the whole country. Is like these. All, it was a hotbed for hippies and the mm. counterculture. And the conservatives of California thought, like, the world is imploding and San Francisco's the core. And we've got to rein these counterculture people in. They're dangerous. They're murderers. The Zodiac was one of these hippies. And, yeah, like, that <laughs> was kind though... of the zeitgeist at the time. Like, these counterculture radicals are destroying our society and we need someone like Harry Callahan to step in and go vigilante and rein everybody in. So how does that apply to the whole scene where they can't prosecute this guy? Because the, they had a string of liberal Democrat mayors and governors. And right. this was showing like, oh, these hand-wringing bureaucrats that are liberals and they talk about the accused rights over the victim's rights and they can't get anything done and you need someone who applies aggressive force like Callahan to stop the killers. And that was kind of 
they insisted that's not what they were actually saying with this movie, but that's how it, it felt to me. Like, yeah, that's, they were very much critiquing bureaucratic hand-waving and spineless liberals. It's also such clunky writing in that scene. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, the way that he goes, like, because you didn't get a warrant, and, and the way that he goes, like, what do you mean I didn't get a warrant? Like, you know, I feel like just slightly better, and again, not changing Ever, whatever you know, the message. Corpus or what, without changing, like, the whatever the reprehensible theme of it is it's just the fact that he goes what do you mean i didn't get a war and it's like it's he it, better writing would have been like yeah i know but i had to yeah, the yeah. other thing is that scene is that section of the movie is so clunky because like they go to this hospital which miraculously they find out a guy that he'd been in that hospital like the same night that he that stab wound right yeah. that was very and then, lucky and then <laughs> and then they're like and they're like oh yeah and he's across the street yeah. you like, know what which is like so contrived. Yeah, HIPAA violation. Did they have HIPAA back then? I yeah, guess not. Yeah, probably not. And then, and, and then also, I kind of like, and of course, looking at that, I'm like, I don't, you know, like, obviously, you probably technically should have got a warrant, but I'm like, I wonder if there's like, hey, he's across the street, if maybe there's some probable cause things. But yeah. the movie is not thinking that hard. Well, the thing though, <laughs> I, I would say, like, I mentioned that I watched the Night Stalker documentary and. Uh, they found out his identity. It was actually the San Francisco Police Department, and so maybe that wasn't totally out of reality. Like, when did the Night Stalker happen again? The, the, see, the Night Stalker case happened in the mid '80s, okay. and basically, you know, it, it took place in L.A. Most of the murders, but he moved like he was in San Francisco too, and there were there was at least one murder in San Francisco. Uh, one of the detectives handling that case tracked a guy who had some kind of association with Ramirez. And basically beat him up in the back of a car to extract Ramirez's name, and nothing happened to the guy, to the cop. Mm -hmm. Like, and of course, you know, yeah, Richard Ramirez needed to get caught because he was a terrible psychopath. But like, it's important that police don't beat people up. Oh, yeah, like, and I feel like they yeah. always fancy themselves and as after a terrible psychopath. When most of the time, most criminals are not terrible you psychopaths. You were jaywalking. Yeah, you are. You had weed. To society. Yeah. I'm gonna kick your door in and shoot you to death. Yeah, Brianna like, Taylor. It's yeah. It's oh, just Lord. too much. Like, and I felt like watching this movie at least i was like this is one of the answers this is one of the reasons this is where this crap is coming from people become cops who as a kid harry callahan was their hero and they want to be him and they want to be like him and this is bad this is toxic yeah yeah um i found it very upsetting even though it's like toxic masculinity the movie, the movie yeah. yeah yeah well, and propaganda the movie. Propaganda the movie. Too. So it's kind of interesting yeah. that okay, within the same genre around the same time, you get Dirty Harry and Serpico. Which is what I haven't seen that one. So Serpico is really um, good, by the way. Hmm. It based on a true story. So uh, Al Pacino is a cop in New York, and he's like a like straight down by the book kind of guy, and he turns in dirty cops, and they all turn nice. on him. Nice. And, yeah, it's a really good movie because it shows yeah. him like going into police school. And, and I feel like, like that's the movie I wish I had watched. Is it 72? Is that why we didn't? Uh, 72, 73 maybe. Yeah, it's before, yeah. it's between this and Death Wish in time. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's post like uh, Al Pacino becoming a big star. And I think The Godfather was 73. Was it yeah. after uh, Dog Day Afternoon? Which is another crime movie that I put above this one. Yeah, oh sure. Yeah, uh, yeah lots of good movies that are not... But I mean... Yeah, and this one got to be the one that's a huge deal. I'm so mad. Anyway. Well, all those are huge deals. You know, it's just that we're in 1971. But this yeah. one gets on the list of most influential yeah, of all time. Yeah, this one I hear about more than those other ones. Yeah, this well, is one that people cite, like, conservative assholes that want to apply force to everything cite this well, as one this of their is, favorite movies. This is maybe where I'll sort of defend the movie, which is, like, well, partly why people like this movie is because, like, it's a kind of cool action movie. Yeah. I mean, like... Cause, I mean, it broke the mold for its time. This it, was definitely yeah. kind of applying a little bit of that French New Wave to mm -hmm. American B-movies. Uh, yeah, I will say it was beautifully shot. I really loved the music. That mm -hmm. was... It was really cool. The little drum solo for the... Scorpio. Oh, yeah, the jazz. The yeah. jazz. He's up there. He's with his sniper rifle and the, the drums. And I was like, this is really fucked up, but I don't like that I'm watching somebody shoot somebody else but i'm like these i'm drums, jamming out I, just, I like this jazz and there's like flutes and there's that one section where it's like rock guitar with this with a traditional score in a way that is very ahead of its time and like, i was like this is really cool i really like this music it's the great use of color 
Like today, it, it would be a like beautiful, beautiful turd. In my yeah. opinion, <laughs> I would also say that, like, am I am I really going to be the only one willing to admit that the most iconic scene from the movie, yeah, the the bank robbery with the, uh, with, am I the only one who's willing to admit that that scene rules? No, I hated it. I mean, I thought it was really cool. Gun the porn, wa- the water racist. coming out. Of the of from the fire hydrant, he's walking through it. I was like, "This the is the fact that he's still chewing on his hot dog." Yeah, he's yeah. chewing on his hot dog. There's lots of great details there. He's and I'm like, "This is really cool." I am pissed off that he killed somebody for stealing money. Yeah, and I'm pissed off that like he he's just firing a gun everywhere, and then he's like, "Yeah, hey, dude, who just just stole some money? Like, are you feeling lucky?" It was this weird power thing, and I just hated him the whole way through, but. The cinema of everything happening in the chaos. It was... And no music. Like, got muted or with just I the music will, and no dialogue? I would think it was cool. I, no. I will take a moment to, again, point out, like, what was going on in society and the culture at the time that might, I guess, like, soften that. So, yeah, by, like, today's standards, all of that is, like, wow, that was a really heavy-handed response to, like, a bank heist, but... It was kind of the same thing with Death Wish, right? Like he's shooting muggers and it's when you have, you can't go to Central Park without getting robbed in 1970, whatever, then like I can see how that could bubble up into the art and entertainment, those sort of uh, takes on things. Yeah. I mean, we saw this kind of after 9-11 too. Yeah. So one thing also I, uh, rewatching that scene and kind of being uncomfortable with the fact that you know it's it's a it's a black man that Clint Eastwood is standing. Yeah, can yeah, I that just sticks say, out like, like we've been playing that, the Where's yeah. Waldo for the people of color and there've been almost none in any of the movies we've watched and now here they are in their bank robbers. However, I one thing I I thought I took I thought was interesting is what is the next scene right after? They that? have an apology black doctor like so many sure. movies do. They yeah. apologize with sure. a black doctor like. We're not going to make an actual black character, but here's an apology black doctor for you guys. Well, there you go. <laughs> Which yeah. I just guess out. I was yeah. kind of surprised, though, that they did that in 1971. Yeah. I mean, this was post-civil like rights, you know, very recent post-civil rights movement. So, of, of course, they're, they're more willing to not just have people completely in the background. You know, and so yeah, and, one and of the, the funny victims, thing though, like you know, and he this... seemed genuinely upset by the victim boy that was shot. Yeah, um, this yeah. movie was made by people who, at the time, like if you had asked we're somebody, yeah, this was like they thought they were super woke. bleeding heart Hollywood liberal pussies by like Alabama people standards. Yeah. I can say that because I'm from Alabama. Yeah. So I can trash worth... Alabama all I want. Another thing worth talking about is if we're talking gun porn. Um, yeah, it was such gun porn. Oh so, my god. So one of the people who worked on the screenplay is John Milius. John Milius is sort of like a famous sort of king of conservative Hollywood screenwriters. He mostly was brought into, I mean, he's, he's done a lot of screenplays, but mostly he's like one of the kings of script doctoring, coming in to punch up dialogue. Apparently most of what he wrote in this movie was not used. Mostly, but what stays is, is is some of the punchier dialogue. The do ya punk. And and the and also get the accuracy on the gun porn. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's he's a he's a noted Hollywood gun nut, so he made sure he got all that right. Uh, well, can we talk too for a second about like how unrealistic uh, Harry's gun work is? Like in the bank robbing, shooting scene, with one hand. When he's with like that shooting huge a magnum with one hand at a dude <laughs> like just had strong hands. a football field away and hitting him. And I'm like, has anybody who wrote this movie ever shot a gun before? I, 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 say, I can't say that I was at all upset by the gun inaccuracies. Just, no, I'm just saying, like, so let me like, just point yeah. out John Millius a little bit. Okay, all right, go just because just just this is interesting trivia. Yeah, so he's the, he, he, of course, wrote the, among the script doctoring, he did um, the Apocalypse Now speech, I Love the Smell of Napalm in the Morning. He's that guy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and also, he is the main inspiration for Walter Sopcich. Oh, that's hilarious! I'm just imagining Walter writing the movie now. Apparently, like, I even saw a picture of John Williams today just to confirm these facts, and like, uh, I'm like, oh, he looks a little bit like 
Walter. That's really funny to me. Yeah. Well, I kind of forgive this movie if it was written by Walter. But can we also? <laughs> it was written by Walter. It explains oh a lot. Explains can so we take much. a moment though to just like I just want to make the statement and I want it to be preserved somewhere in time for sure. future generations that like every movie featuring John Goodman is great because of John Goodman, yes. who yes. is yes. an American icon. Yes. We can all agree. We are we are John every... Goodman stands. John yes, yes, yes. Stands he... in this Helen, yes. I really know that you hated this most passionately so i want to hear more from you about why you hated it because i didn't like it but i think you hated it i did i hated it, it made me mad yeah. <laughs> it made me I, angry at least i was jamming to the music and just thought so much of the lighting and the color was beautiful but like it sounds like you just were not I none mean, of that was, was no, able to none of it was of hitting for me um yeah. I hated how he punched the guy who was com- contemplating suicide. Oh my god, that whole, there's a lot to... <laughs> After he talked shit to him the whole time? He saves the world, he saves people with meanness. Yes, like, he that's saves the whole thing. He's like my, well, my middle school You're teacher. You're argument for this movie, though. No, okay. He <laughs> saves them. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. But I mean, he's supposed to be this paragon of like the hero cop. He's supposed to be this guy that's so many people's hero that they like want to be like him. And they're like, that's my favorite movie. And that guy is a badass. And it's like, that's, and so what? You're gonna like, I mean, I thought it was kind of clever how he was like how, talking about how gross suicides are. Like, but I don't know. That scene is my second favorite scene. Okay, no, I want to tell you my favorite scene, though. Oh, God, I I was so... Go ahead, go ahead. My favorite scene where I actually, like, did a little fist pump and was like, yeah, actually, for a second, and rooting for Harry Callahan for a second, was when they're going on the bus and he's standing on the bridge. Yeah. And, like, and the killer is, like, genuinely scared. Like, he is this monster stalking him. I... When that scene reminded me... Has anybody seen It Follows? Yes. yes. Like yes, that. I was exactly just like, that. Yeah. oh my God, Harry Callahan is the haunted STD <laughs> yeah, that follows. Also, that's Clint Eastwood who jumps on the bus, not a Yeah. But yeah. that little like adrenaline drop that, you know, the villain is having, I kind of also had was like, oh my gosh, See, there he is. One of the things that I didn't like about the movie, because it kind of took me off guard, and maybe this is because this was sort of an early example of this genre and this time was I was expecting something, I know I've referenced Death Wish a bunch of times, but I was expecting something more akin to that, something a little bit more cohesive and realistic. And then Dirty Harry had, like, scenes where Clint Eastwood is jumping onto to the tops of, like, kidnapped school buses, and the bad guy is, like, a bad iteration of the Joker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes. it, was, it had a lot of, like, goofy shit in it that was not... You know, the kind of hard-edged 70s drive-in movie that I was looking for. It does sort of mix a certain degree of realism with complete comic booky cartoonishness. It is, it is not... It's to, jarring it what is jumps not between together. them. Yeah, it it is, doesn't it is work. Yeah. 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 I found that also. Um, it's also like, I, I, I thought I had watching it when how like kind of over the top the villain is. Is it's a little bit like, you know, this is... This is before Ted Bundy was known as a, yeah. as a, as, and it's kind of like the concept of the, you know, it's like a serial killer is just assumed to be some wacko, sicko, weirdo. Yeah. And like, and I feel like post Ted Bundy, people learned that no, he can be a, a crazy serial killer, repugnant person can be very charming and articulate. Or just and a normal person. Fairly normal person, you know, and like, and so it's kind of like that sort of Silence of the Lambs reflects that knowledge, and then this movie doesn't just reflect like, oh, well, he's it's clearly like, crazy. He's yeah. probably done LSD and the weed. <laughs> it's like, it's probably wow. You know, like there was a scene on Dragnet. I remember when I was a kid, and Nick at Night would come on. Yeah, and they we were like, so much Dragnet. They had arrested this dude who was on LSD, and he had his face painted for some reason. <laughs> And he was in the office, and he was like, I'm a train, I'm a train, I'm a train, I'm a train, passing Oakland, <laughs> passing Oakland. And they're like, what? And then he goes, woo, woo, and like throws all the shit in the air. And then they're like, the old cops are like, and this is what the drugs do. <laughs> this is our cold open right there. <laughs> oh, dear. Dude. So, I remember that almost 30 years later. Oh, no, yeah. there's so much bullshit in Dragnet that I, that I remember watching. That's the only thing watching. I remember I about Dragnet. I Dragnet. Yeah. Dragnet's, I mean, it's hilarious because there's a lot of kind of like, I feel like 
it's almost like they sort of knew what they were doing because a lot of the shit that they encounter is very over the top and and like and then Harry Morgan and whoever the main guy dragnet guys are just the blandest motherfuckers on the planet. Well, and like anti drug propaganda from that era is hilarious because it's never like drugs that you want to stay away from like meth or something. It's always like weed made me put my baby in the oven. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, so I'm a train, I'm a train. <laughs> it was, look, it's got to be on YouTube. Look it up. It's, it's, it's classic. Dude, um, I have two scenes I want to talk about from Dirty Harry just to steer us back away from yeah. Dragnet. Um, <laughs> scene one that I want to talk about is the scene where he pays a guy that the uh, Scorpio pays a guy to beat him up. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, the, and again, there's sort of what a, a, scene. a racial thing going on there too, which was yeah. also fascinating given the other stuff that pissed me off about race in this movie. This was like a weird, like, again, like, like you said, this must've been written by people who would identify as woke. They uh, would not, well, people. woke, but definitely Hollywood liberals. Right. Yeah. Hollywood liberals who were like, we're hip with it. We got to see where a black guy beats up a white dude. It was just weird for me. And I, Felt it, it. It made me feel icky, like a lot of things. But it, I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? I hated it again because, like, the whole thing was way too much Joker in the Dark Knight. Yeah. Kind of like this guy wouldn't. And first of all, it's funny because it was like loosely based on the Zodiac, and Scorpio is so not what we know of the Zodiac. Yeah, it's I want to ask you about that next. Yeah. But Helen, what was no John had think? another scene. Oh, what is your thoughts? No, I just want to ask. Like, I don't know a whole lot about the Zodiac, even though I watched the whole Jake Gyllenhaal movie. I still don't know anything. Um, but yeah, so how afraid were people, and how traumatized? Because I feel like that informs this movie well, that, the... that it had happened, and they he wasn't caught. And it was this scar, this open wound in San Francisco specifically. And is this like some kind of wish fulfillment? Like if the police force had had a Harry Callahan, the day would have been saved? Um, So the Zodiac case was going on around the same time. Um, I don't remember the last, when the last murder took place. But I know the last correspondence with the media and the police took place after this movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, So really the only thing that Scorpio has in common with the Zodiac is the taunting letters to police. Okay. Um, other than that, Zodiac wasn't a sniper. He would um, walk up to people in lovers' lanes or in parks, and it was very close. And um, a cab there was a cab driver he stabbed to death. But yeah, it it was to my knowledge, and you know, I'm really into true crime. I don't know of an earlier case where the killer sent letters like that to the media. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were others, uh, you know, Son of Sam um, did that, so, uh, well, the, BTK, uh, but those were all later. DC shootings, yeah. That was much later. Yeah, the uh, yeah the original script, I think there was a sniper in New York City, and the original script... It was set in New York. It was set in New right. York, and so I think there was, like, a sniper in New York City that this movie is, was, like, kind of more originally based off of but then as it was fleshed out they you know and, well, and I guess there was yeah. also there was that one case and I might be getting two cases mixed up but like the guy that shot Larry Flint was a sniper and mm-hmm. he was he was traveling around the country yeah but I'm pretty sure that was like 10 years after this mm-hmm. um but but yeah, I just wonder if yeah. it was like, were serial killers becoming a thing for the first time? Oh, yeah, and so they was... were kind of, how do we handle this? Well, we need a dirty Harry. Yeah, That's there's the only something way to handle called it. the golden age of serial killers, which okay. was basically from like mid-century up until like the, or the mid-2000s. Um, because like, notice how you never hear a name, like a serial killer with a name the media has given them today. Yeah. Even though there's like 2,000 of them active at any time, according to the FBI. Um so that was definitely a thing and it's you know if you're living in san francisco in 1969 or 70 when the case is really hot you're you don't have you know podcasts on the internet so you're getting whatever's on the five o'clock news and that was probably wall to wall yeah and um and then like crime reporting i know and this was a little later but i was watching a son of sam documentary and it had some like clippings from new york around the time some like uh, local five o'clock action news stuff, and it was like today in Fear City, and then like the like the graphic next to the guy's head is like a fucking like you know Grim Reaper or yeah. something like <laughs> looming over the city, and it's like interviews with some lady that's like we couldn't even go out to the park, they're shooting people. Yeah, and yeah. you know it's 
that was permeating the culture in a very real way at the time to where like us who live in the safest time to ever exist don't it doesn't register i mean shit there's stuff that like i remember from being a kid the crime wave peaked in 1990 and then has steadily been decreasing with like Mm -hmm. Little bumps along the way, like 9-11 was considered a crime. I think, I think 2020 pandemic was a little bit... Of the a murder crime. rate's up yeah. right now, but the murder rate is not 1990 levels, despite sure what Fox isn't. News will tell you. Mm-hmm. Correct. But, like, I remember being a kid, things like fucking gas stations getting knocked over and the clerks getting killed, like, was mm-hmm. a real thing that happened. And now if that happens, it's well, like... It happens here. What the fuck? Yeah, but it doesn't happen every five minutes. True. Right? Like... Yeah. And it, you know the clerk's name, and it's on the news for a while and stuff. Yeah, like, I know a case happened a couple of years ago out in, like, Alabaster or somewhere. And then they caught the guy well, in, like, five minutes, least, and he's not... There's at least two in my news, in my, uh, that I, off the top of my head, in my career, that's of shit that's come across my desk, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's... Um, okay, uh, uh, ramp that up. If you're in a market yes. like San Francisco in 1970, like, it's gonna be more than two. And yeah. you've been in the news for a while now, mm-hmm. so... yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like, I can kind of forgive this movie a little bit if that, that fear was just so raw and so real and people, theater goers, wanted to see someone handling it. And that's why you had movies like the, like Dirty Harry's not, the first off there's like five Dirty Harry's, yeah. even though they get like to where he's like working with the military or whatever the yeah. fuck. Um, space. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Oh uh, man, I'd watch that. That's what a Space Cowboy actually was. Space Cowboys. <laughs> But, um, yeah, you know, you had, like, a whole line of movies like that. Death Wish is probably, again, the most, like, coherent example of that, Mm -hmm. where you have this guy who's a bleeding-heart liberal. He's described that way in the movie, and then turns into a vigilante because he's pushed too far. Straw dogs. um, Yeah. On and on and on. I could list. There's probably a ton of, like, lesser examples that were, like, played at a drive-in somewhere. This movie probably helped those movies get made, though. Because it was Well, it was a big hit. Yeah. So, So. there, you know, there was definitely... But those movies... All, you know, I mean, Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon were one-offs, but, like, Death Wish has six films in the series. Um, so, like, you know, this Pitching. has five. Yeah, they, they were really would pay for some cop movies, I guess. Yeah. I will point out, uh, uh, Paul Kersey's not a cop. Okay. That's a big okay. issue mm-hmm. in the movie. Like crime. I mean, it also, what a great time to be an over 40s action hero. I think <laughs> over 40 is the best time to be an action hero. When I look True. at my favorite action movies, it's never, like, some 24-year-old. It's always, True. like... Liam Neeson in his 50s. Yeah. Or fucking... Uh, Harrison Sigourney Ford was Weaver. almost 40. Sigourney yeah. Weaver? Sure. Yeah. Uh, what, how old was she in She was a teenager. She was in her 20s. She was... Because she was well, she's she's still, still... has this sort of... Young. Like, wizened energy. Yeah. <laughs> but like... <laughs> like yeah. uh, fucking... Um, why am I forgetting John Wick's real name? Keanu. 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 Uh, 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 Bob Odenkirk now like these are modern examples like oh my god nobody is so good like the old action star and apologies to people in your 50s or 40s and 50s that's not really old but you know what I mean right? <laughs> um, I have to say that because like nine years away that's from 40 Hollywood now that's Hollywood ancient uh-huh. <laughs> especially in that era and if you look at like action movies that came later with like pumped up Arnold you yeah. know who's like 25 or whatever it's yeah. you know it's kind of weird for older Clint Eastwood. So, I, okay. What but I just say? don't, I don't like that this created the cop crime fighter anti-hero genre or like fed it money. Like, I don't like, I think ultimately that had a negative impact on the culture. That's sort of why this movie makes me so mad. I um, would agree. Uh, I, because I, I just have spoken to boomers who are just, who have that worldview of just like, well, back in the day, real men would just go be violent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that... Can you really blame Dirty Harry no, for that? Or is Dirty Harry... I don't really think you can blame Dirty Harry, but it was an outlet for me. Like, I was... That was has all been stewing in my mind for a while. Like, these past mm. couple of years have been really hard with all the police violence. Yeah. And it just, like, needed something to just vent my rage upon. And then I watched this movie, and it was just right there. Copaganda. Yeah, I fucking hate it this. It was popular, and people really like it. And I Even if it's not the most liked, and even if it's not the reason, yeah, it's I feel one like of. And I feel it like reinforced it's... people's taste in this kind of thing. Yeah. You know? And Clint Eastwood leaned into that character, and he played it over and over again. And he ran for office, and quoting Dirty Harry, he went to the National 
convention. I think it was when Bush was running it and was, like did uh, the make my Romney. day punk speech on stage and the whole crowd went wild. So like it is a thing. Let's be honest. That's not the worst thing to ever happen. No, at the it's RNC. not. No, it's not. But I mean, I'm just saying this, did, this movie does matter. I'm not saying it matters sure. the most. But it does matter, and it had an impact, and it and it was my outlet. I was feeling all these bad, riled-up feelings, and then I watched this movie, and it just hit me really hard. I do feel like a little bit like pushing back, even though I don't know if I feel that strongly about it. But I'm a little bit like y'all are y'all are like finger wagging at an action flick. That's what the filmmaker and Clint Eastwood both said about this movie when it was it's controversial at the time. They were like. It's entertainment. What's your problem? And I'm like, excuse me, inter- no movie is ever just entertainment. It, it matters what you're entertained by. It says a lot about... And culture. I mean, I majored in anthropology and everything is a little bit ethnographic. Everything is a little bit of a feedback loop. Like there's films about crime. People walk around thinking, oh my God, I could get sniped. I need to vote for the guy that's the law and order candidate. And it's like nothing exists in a vacuum and everything gets into your psyche the more you watch. And I think... But I guess at the end of the day, if you strip away all of the um, contemporary commentary the movie had at the time, like it's still good guys versus bad guys, which is all drama. Yeah. I mean, so, like, you know, at a certain point, like, what would you want a movie to be, like... The cops are the bad guys. Kind of. Well, I mean, (laughs) I I agree. I agree. I think everybody in this room knows what I think about the police. (laughs) I think we all mostly agree about the cops. Which is why The Shield is kind of a great sort of, like, companion for this, if you guys have ever seen it. No. It's a TV series. I think it's one of Eric's favorites. It's so, like... Michael Chiklis is the main guy, and he's basically exactly like Dirty Harry, but he's the bad guy, mm. and he's portrayed as the bad guy, but they also do the, it's it's a very multi-dimensional take to where, like, more so than Harry, where you kind of root for him at some points through the series, and then you, they, as soon as they reel you in, they remind you that he murders people, and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And it's a nice, I, I highly recommend that. It makes you grapple. I like that. I um, wish this movie made you grapple a little bit But it more. also has consequences that this movie didn't have, so, you know, Mackie's actions do impact his life in a way that, like, like, Dirty Harry is just, like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> after, like, he beating gets up shot suspects. in the leg and he walks without a limp away. Because he's so goddamn tough, he's Helen. such a hard ass. <laughs> He'll fuck you up if he heard you say this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. And the, the serial killer, he gets stabbed in the leg and he's, he's messed like, up the rest of the movie. Dead. Yeah, he can't. He's yeah. limping to go get beat up. I do love how quickly his facial injuries healed, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> he had, like, a, a band-aid or something. Yeah, yeah that was, was a hell of a band-aid. I mean, like, he should have paid that guy more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. got his money back. Yeah. I, I healed really quickly. I'm going to need you to come back. Yeah. Injury. <laughs> I'll injury. say another slur at you. you know? <laughs> help, help. Oh, my God. Yeah, injury, um, injury makeup isn't what it was, you know, isn't what... Uh, had a little ways to go and i love too about like the backdrop for where that happened it's like this old abandoned factory or whatever that was supposed to be and it's like that's just where that would happen i mean that's just where you have shit happen in movies it's probably not hard industry and blue collar jobs are going away and so we've got to reclaim it with dirty hair job is beating people up (laughs) don't they have apartments I mean, you don't want to get blood in your apartment, though. <laughs> All right, I'm like on the carpet, like you fucking, you won't get your deposit back. An interesting part of this movie is when he's in the, the park with the cross. Remember that? There was a lot of religious <laughs> stuff. And, yeah. and he's he runs into that kid who I guess is trying to pick him up. Yeah. Remember that? It was a strange little artifact of this movie. And I, I, it's like, Wait, what? 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 Go back. He goes. He's like when going, he's on the wild goose chase with the briefcase. And he oh yeah, up cool the scene by the way. Hey, I did like that scene a that lot. That scene's yeah. pretty cool. And he runs into that kid who I guess is Third trying to scene. pick him, pick him up. Is that what was happening? Yeah. And was I misreading that? I'm like, there's this kid in the park. Was that another? Part of the San Francisco thing, he's at the park at night, so some kid is trying to. I'm pretty up. sure that's how I took okay. it. Yeah. yeah, that was that was not my third favorite scene. That scene was like, oh dear, that's 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 yeah. very stereotypy. Other, yeah. if you yeah. removed that particular encounter, though, the whole having to go around town, chasing and, phone booths. Yeah, yeah, and even though that was again a little 
cartoony much for what i was looking for like the way I, you know it was shot was, it was really nice very well done well directed scene um, and uh, however and this is of course gets into my main problem with it is so i watched this movie like 10 years ago when i was in college oh dear that sentence um <laughs> and uh, i watched this and and i was watching it and one of my main thoughts is there's a lot of things i remember about it like the most memorable things about it i remembered but i'm like but that was a scene where i'm like i remember not a second of this like it's it does not pass the think about test that strongly yeah that kind of uh, there was one other weird thing that stuck out to me in this is that like so dirty harry's like totally a peeping tom yeah like yeah another reason why they call you dirty harry uh, like a little while ago what i wanted to bring up is there on that building with the jesus save sign rotating and he's looking he's he's looking at and i I was trying to piece apart what's happening because this woman, I guess, is a sex worker, yeah. and she's letting a couple of people two dudes in, in her house. Is I think it was dudes? a couple. I think it was, it was a, man a man and a woman. woman. And the interesting thing to me is she's completely naked, and these two people come in, and they're bundled up. Yeah. And I was just looking at it's this. It's called like, San Francisco. I was just, I was just thinking, like, this is fascinating. Like, he's, I mean, maybe he's a peeping Tom, but also I'd be like, what, what is, is going, going on? on? Like, and they look like they're just sort of negotiating how their night of uh, their threesome is going to go. I'm assuming. <laughs> And I was, I was like, wow, I am actually very fascinated. At first, I was grossed out, but now I'm like, what is happening there? I'm with you here. What like, annoyed me Ooh. was like how she's like walking around in her underwear, and she kind of stops and holds her finger up and like cocks her head, like I'm something. forgetting something. And then the next, she's, she's naked. Like, yeah, she's she like, was forgetting. I'm wearing too naked. much clothes. She's like, I have to greet these people with my clothes on. This is unprofessional. <laughs> and so I, I, it was just, I was like, I want a movie about whatever was happening there. there's probably a website for that. You know, <laughs> cool thing. There's a photo that I saw on Facebook that a. Uh, a college professor that I'm still friends with on Facebook shared and he described it as it's just like it's in New York in like 1930 and it's just buildings at night like this like mountain of buildings with like clotheslines and shit and windows and he like described every window as being a stage with its own play taking place and like that's kind of like a cool thought with that like well that's like that could have been its own movie that would have been better than this shit Um, you see when you stake out i do feel like that was just another example though of how like Like, this movie was being a little gratuitous with the fact that it can be rated r yeah like that and like and when he follows the scorpio to the strip club and he stays after that was like the most pointless part of (laughs) the movie too why yeah he really is dirty harry for uh, that reason he's like yeah i'm just i gotta you know make it work well, and you know that was probably part of the culture at the time too i yeah. mean i've you know when i when you go to times square today it's an olive garden and i've been to just, that olive garden you, why did you go to that olive garden it's like twice as expensive the as people i was with garden. wanted to go and, and they were brazilian and they're like they're like we're going to olive garden and i'm like well, that sounds cool where's that like olive garden and i'm like Oh, Olive Garden. <laughs> like, why? Okay. Why? Isn't there? Isn't that like a multi-story, yes. enormous Olive Garden? I've always been kind of. I always kind of. Here's to go. the thing: it's because it's in Times Square. The prices are jacked up. Like, if you went to an Olive Garden in Jersey, it would be cheaper. And well, I exactly don't want to go to same. an Olive Garden in Jersey. I want to go to the. Nobody Olive wants to go to an Olive Garden anywhere. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I could have a few breadsticks up in Times Square. Meat sauce and breadsticks. It. Okay, if there I ever... There are two types of people, me and you. I would go to the Olive Do you know Garden. how many restaurants are in New York City? There's so many that if you ate out every meal for your entire life, you wouldn't hit all of them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hit the Olive Garden? You would hit the Olive Garden at first, because apparently that's who you are. But I've I'm been to New York saying, I've been to the Olive Garden. I've, I've walked by people. it, and I've... I've like stuck up like you gave it a side garden. eye yeah. yeah i saw a rat just outside the olive garden uh, it was like, you know the so it was a new york experience the first time i went to new york i didn't see any rats and this last time i saw rats and a dude pissing on the subway and it was like great yeah um but like i want that new york i want dangerous you might get killed new york <laughs> not like bougie midwesterners go to the olive garden place but anyway anyway Times square you used to go to Times square and in the 70s and 80s and really the 90s it was like porno shops and theaters and shit so like that was probably like that sort of thing going on in the movie was of course a thing going on you know if you wanted to be edgy and, and have like take place in this underworld kind of thing it's that's gonna make it into the story i mean even like i doubt they did this this was probably just the thing that was going on but like when he goes into the hamburger place 
the store next door is a fucking like porno shop. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, that was probably just there. Yeah. Right at the time. And it like, imagine that today if you're walking around downtown Birmingham and it's like, read books and also the titty shack. Yeah. Like, that's not going to be a thing. I don't even know where a porn store is here. Well, I know one is in Nashville. You know, yeah. the internet has done a thing about that, but like, yeah, that's. It's a, like a thing that I think is very much a 1970s. They're all thing. in like fiberglass buildings on the side of the interstate now. They're not in cities. Yeah, they're not downtown anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One one time here when I was walking to um, Cahaba where Ghost Train is now, I was just walking, you know, under the bridge, and some guy pulls up, slows down, and he says, "Hey, wh- where where can I find a, a dirty movie store?" <laughs> the the <laughs> internet, sir. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, there's something called. Amazon. <laughs> the Google. There's lots of things. Also, that... there's free stuff that you don't have to go to Amazon. If you need a DVD, I mean, you have places you can go on. I know you can get on the library, you know, and mm-hmm. order you something. Yeah, so that was the true story. And I, yeah, I think my answer was... is, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, so that's a true story. Yeah. Anyways, um, the movie. So anyway, there's just so many things. Like that where he stays in the strip club. And the getting beat up scene. Like, is there a part of this movie that didn't make me feel gross? And that's kind of why I don't like it also. It's like, maybe the walking down the stairs talking about what it's like to be a cop was maybe the only part. And even that, it was, it was so distant. Like, you weren't seeing their face for large sections as it was panning down. Like, it was this intimate conversation without close-ups, which is not a bad thing. But it was, it was especially weird because the camera's moving the whole time and... You, they're they're blocked by the brick on and off. It and was... also, I didn't like how that was that scene sort of showed that his partner, who was an academic, couldn't cut it because academics are wimpy and babies, <laughs> and they can't be tough. But he men. proves himself and then gets shot. Yeah, but then he decides to quit. He's like, you know what? I don't have the heart for this. I'm going to go be a professor. And let's just like. Helen, can I ask you a question? Huh? Why do you want serial killers to murder children? Um. <laughs> Not they're so rare and they don't murder children most of the time. <laughs> Let the record show that Helen yeah. Cottingham favors child murder. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. It's she's made that and very I, clear. Yeah, I guess I'm the terrible egg-headed DAs in that scene telling Dirty Harry that he should have gotten <laughs> a warrant. You can't torture people. You Harry. can't torture people. And oh. they were like kind of the villains in that in the movie. And then okay, at the end he throws his badge away, so I, I'm a little bit like yeah I'm like uh, what what where what 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 like commentary were we making there like he wants he, to be a vigilante so he get out is the basic thing about it he's like I'm just gonna be a you know oh and San Francisco has a history of vigilantes there was an organized group of vigilantes uh-huh. back in the old west days and it's like a on plaques all around the city memorializing them so Uh-oh. it's like a beloved like the vigilantes before we had law like before we were part of America or in the early days of our city, we were policed okay. by vigilantes. And I also point out that whoever did props on this movie did such a shitty job with that badge. <laughs> it was not a great looking badge. It was garbage. And uh, well, that's why he threw it away. He's like, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I need a new one. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, so do the sequels are? Is he a cop is he in the sequels? Or is he? Yeah, because like one of them, he's assigned his new partner who's assigned to him is a woman. So it's well, like he I is a cop. He, I guess he goes and fishes it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, cut that out. The sequel is like wading through the water like looking <laughs> for it or like when they get the, the, the scorpio out like it's just floating next to him and they're like oh i guess that asshole stole your badge huh here it's back and like i love how like i guess like the person who fishes corpses out of the water is from minnesota yeah yeah, yeah totally oh, here so, the weather's beautiful here oh yeah. Uh, yeah another crime what movie this guy do? that's better fargo yeah fargo 100 percent. well duh yeah so uh you read a whole book helen yeah. About this movie. It was like a lot of the history of San Francisco and... I was assuming your take on the uh, the vigilante history came yeah. straight from that Yeah, book, yeah, but... yeah. And uh, I mean, and else? they made a point in that scene where they're browbeating him for not getting a warrant that the guy on the couch that's like... I don't remember the what his role... Yeah, he yeah. was from Berkeley and Berkeley was, I think... Yeah, there were protests there, and there was a lot of these students are all socialist monsters that are destroying society, and we need 
we need law and order to rein the kids, our children, in school in. Yeah. Like, and yeah, and professors were kind of villainized. In this movie? In No, in the time. Oh, like, man. in California. Like, Berkeley was like this toxic, problematic place like, where a lot of anti-war... Yeah, 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 yeah. All this anti-war protest stuff, like... The... Yeah, they just mace them. Yeah. A big yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's awful. So yeah, but like it was pointed that he was from Berkeley in that scene. Right, like right, these, uh, just proof that these eggheaded intellectuals and these professors—they're—they're they're doing more harm than good. They're not—they're getting in the way of the real heroes. Yeah, yeah, they're getting in the way of clearly somebody is guilty here. Yeah, and they just can't see it. Yada yada yada. Yeah, yada. yeah, yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what else did you learn from that book? I, mean, I just, I just, yeah. you just read a whole book. I'm I know, just, I, mean, I, can't I know. I'm sorry. I'm a like, little bit like, was that movie worth? I mean, it was about Dirty Harry as a whole, and it was about Clint Eastwood as a whole. Do you and read was... books for every one of these movies? No, no. Oh, okay. I just got so mad at this movie. And I felt like, <laughs> oh, I was like, I think this movie might explain cops a little bit and why they're so toxic and why Americans law, America's law and order politics are so heavy-handed. Well, have you heard of warrior training? No. So, okay. Um, and I, I highly recommend anybody listening to this uh, look up Radley Balco, who's Word. a a uh, Washington Post reporter that covers crime and police. Um, so warrior training is basically, and they do this with recruitment too. If you look at like small town police departments, like their recruitment video will be like dudes in tactical gear kicking in doors and like mm -hmm. ACDC is playing <laughs> and they're like fucking sticking machine guns and like rough people's faces. And it's very much that, but like warrior training is like, that whole like you are the thin blue line and you're a warrior in a war against crime and yeah. all this kind of shit and they'll have like seminars and if you go to like police conventions it's really scary yeah um so like there's a whole culture um if you want to be pissed off yeah uh, know, way yeah. beyond dirty harry yeah that's... no i mean and i don't think dirty harry's like the I Ching or anything i just but feel it's like it's a piece of the puzzle and it's something that unlocked something for me where i was like People point, or not even just Dirty Harry, but people like this in cops and movies that take matters into their own hands and shoot people in the back and shoot people off the clock. And well, I mean, that goes on here. Yeah. So, like, yeah, in real life. And yeah. it's like, here's here it is in this in this Hollywood film. And so I was like, is that point just me being like, like virtue signaling bleeding heart liberal girl in the you know 2021 or is this a real thought that other academics have had and so then i tracked that book down i'm like someone else had this so what, exact same thought what was the answer in that book did it agree with you or yeah yeah i mean it was just kind of like it's a symptom of the conservative backlash against the liberal uprising of the 60s right so what was what is this book called it, um i have it it's called Dirty Harry's America, uh, Clint Eastwood, Harry Callahan, and the Conservative Backlash. Written by who? Written by, I keep closing it, John Str Joe Street. Joe Street. I think my final thoughts are the same as my initial thoughts, which are, I liked stuff about the movie. It was nice to look at. It was nice to listen to. I was mostly infuriated by the worldview that it, it brought to me. Yeah. I was, it, it made, it grossed me out mm -hmm. on the whole. Yeah. Yeah. There's few scenes that I wasn't just fist clenched uncomfortable watching this. It wasn't an enjoyable time. Um, yeah. It made me feel icky. I will say that if you don't have any particular pearls to clutch, you might find a fun action flick. Boo. <laughs> well, I'm clutching my pearl. Yeah. I'm going to take the middle ground between these two <laughs> and say, like, you know, I kind of, I view the film as what it was, as, you know, a very much a, a reflection of its time. But I was also highly disappointed in its, its structure and storytelling. I was expecting something much more based off of later films that I've seen and enjoyed. And I got, like, a weird sort of meandering cartoon i guess you could call it that and that was that was kind of disappointing to me and for the record the fact that the hero of this movie scoffs at literally at the fourth amendment is fucked up 
Yeah. Okay. He scoffs at a lot of amendments. Yeah, yes. he scoffs um, at a whole slew But of as in things. someone says the Fourth Amendment at him, he goes, <laughs> So, sure. Um, so right. he's on the Supreme Court now. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we'll move on to the final thing, which is, so, because Chase is the first guest who knows where I got this segment, Chase, what else have you been consuming? Oh, well, I've been consuming a lot of Bigfoot. Yeah. And the reason is, is I'm writing a screenplay about a Bigfoot that I think I can get produced. So right now I'm reading um, Bigfoot, The Apes Among Us by John Green, who is like, he's no longer with us, but he was one of the foremost Bigfoot researchers of that era. And my God, is it fucking boring and hard to read. So this gentleman, this took, take, you guys takes it seriously, right? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. takes it very seriously. So full disclosure, Bigfoot's not real. I'm just trying to get an idea of like that culture so I can. What do you mean, Bigfoot's not real? Uh, I'll talk to you about that off podcast. Um, <laughs> I have like, a book you can buy. No, but so I've gone to a Bigfoot museum. I have a bunch of other books, and we'll talk about your book um, after the podcast. But it's almost 500 pages. Of him going through reported Bigfoot sightings that are all, there was a big hairy guy over there running away. And it's like over and over again. And then describing tracks in mind-numbing detail. <laughs> and I've committed to it, so I'm going to have to finish it. But holy shit, it is, it is hard to read. And unfortunately, that's been most of the Bigfoot content I've seen has been like that. Um, except for the ones that involve aliens. But my story doesn't go that route, so yeah. <laughs> so that's what I've been consuming. Cool. Who's next? Me. Yeah, we going in order. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as I have said before, I mostly listen to podcasts in my life. That's mostly what I consume. I consumed this book um, about the movie we just watched, but um, so I listened to twelve different episodes, all discussing in different from different angles the Matrix. Wow. Um, yeah, because I, I, I listen to a podcast, a film analysis podcast about a movie, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what this other group of people that I also respect thought of this movie. And I just kept going down that chain, and I just kept finding more and more episodes about The Matrix, because that's a very popular movie. And when it was all said and done, it was 12 episodes. So I am so amped and ready for Matrix 4 now. <laughs> Who knows what the hell that movie's going to be? Um and I also listened to the recording artist Santi Gold's whole discography this week. Oh, cool. Adding, I like her. yeah, she's she's awesome. She adding to my powerful women series. I also listened to MIA's whole discography the, a couple weeks ago, and Janelle Monae and Grimes. So I'm kind of my music is taking a thematic turn, I guess. Badass female solo artists, and it was yeah, I had a good week of listening to stuff okay so uh in the 80s there was a drug campaign an anti-drug campaign that was uh passed around to elementary schools and such and they would send in a cassette tape and a puppet the puppet was of mcgruff the crime dog and the teacher would put their hand would, would do the puppet and sing the songs, mime the songs with the puppet of this cassette tape. <laughs> this cassette tape is called McGruff the Crime Dog's Smart Kids Album. And, against all odds, it slaps. <laughs> it is a really good record that, like, shows actual song craft, but it's all, like, songs about, don't do marijuana, kids, and the whole thing is sung in this dog voice, like... <laughs> Marijuana, don't try it at all. <laughs> it is really funny, and it is really good. <laughs> I, I, there's a song, it's called Marijuana, and I will play it to you guys after this. Maybe we'll close the episode with it. It is unreasonably good. <laughs> it just is a good 80s pop song, and it, it's just filled with great songs. They do like a Broadway thing, like a Randy Newman type song, and, and it's all really good. I like to imagine this guy who's got this gig... You know, for some advertising company, like, we need songs written about how you shouldn't, you know, sniff inhalants and stuff. Like, <laughs> all right, and he like, just sits down and he can't help but make a great song about don't do inhalants. <laughs> it's 
just a really good album, and I would strongly recommend that everybody listen to McGrath the Crime Dog Smart Kids album. Have you seen Bathtubs Ever Broadway? Yes. Yes, yes. Like, it's like that. It's like that, but honestly, it's like rock songs. Oh, God. What if the puppet was Dirty Harry? (laughs) See, that's why I bring it up for this episode in particular, because it's like, you know, the, the, the dog is supposedly like a cop. He's like got a detective cloak on, a coat on, like an overcoat and a hat. He looks like a private eye, this crime dog. And it's just too funny to be real and too good, better than it should be. So That sounds so much better than the dare shit that I got in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Like a fucking asshole real cop being like, listen, kids. Don't smoke cigarettes. There's a spoken <laughs> word in every song where it's like, just because one thing, this is about the inhalants, like, just because a substance is okay to use one way doesn't mean it's okay to use another way. Don't ever sniff inhalants, kids. And it's like, it's always spoken by the song like it's a straight-edge punk song or something. Like, it's, it's so good. So good. Well, that was probably a good place to end, so I'll try to be quick. Uh, I've been watching movies because I have been listening, going back in time to, through the Blank Check podcast, which is a great movie podcast that I hope we're not aping too much because yeah. Helen and I both listen to it and we love it. So because of that, I watched some James Cameron. I also listen, I, I, they also I watched some um, Wachowski, Wachowski movies. I did the, nice. They did the Wachowski, so I rewatched Cloud Atlas, and that's one of the movies I ever watched. And I like, so I went through some James Cameron. Like, I think. First time I've seen some like Terminator Two in almost twenty in almost what? twenty years. Guys, it was not one I rewatched a lot. I mean, I watched the hell out of it when I when like when I was like twelve. When it we is... had it for five days for movie gallery. Yeah, yeah, we you watch it. it every day over and over. Infinitely rewatchable. Oh, yeah. it so is. And so I rewatched it. I'm like, this movie slaps so goddamn hard. And really, in like the first one does too. James Cameron and in Titanic I rewatched and like Avatar is pretty good. You know, James Cameron. Make some movies. Um, I also, they're doing Spielberg. They do like a series on post-Oscar, post-founding of DreamWorks Spielberg. They don't do mm-hmm. his whole career. So um, I'd never seen AI artificial intelligence until yesterday. Mm-hmm. I remember that was just a movie that I was going to see, but and here it is 20 years I think later. mom watched it and didn't like it and said we didn't need to watch it. So here's, it's a weird movie. Uh, I will say that, you know, Spielberg, I did not expect him to do me that way. <laughs> like there there's some parts of that movie where i'm like i'm having trouble breathing so to stop myself from sobbing i mean that movie gets rough here and there i'm like it, it's it kind of shocked me with like whoa this is rough like it's like it's a pretty nutty movie like you like interesting so anyway um movies are good that's why we do this podcast. Watch movies. Watch Dirty Harry or fucking not. We probably didn't recommend it that well. Yeah. So. It's all right. It's, it's all right. right. You know. I mean, it's, you're not missing anything, but if you watch it, it's all right. I would rather watch that other one that you said. Death Wish is great. Yeah. Death Wish is a better movie in just about every You way. need to yeah. watch Death Wish, Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon, and The Shield. Like, those are Good great, great Instead examples of, this. of the crime genre. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pretty much. All right. cool. Thanks everyone for listening this far. Thank Goodbye. you. Bye. Bye. Never cry. Marijuana, don't try it at all. It's a lie. It's like beating your head on a wall. Say no way. Marijuana's a fast way to fall. Don't abuse